Welcome into the Esports Network podcast where we talk about anything and everything esports from the Overwatch League to the latest Fortnite tournament. However much I despise Fortnite, we got to talk about it sometimes, right? But more importantly, this week, it is the beginning of what the stage four major for COD League and helping me break it down, preview it for you guys is Landon Lando Sanders. How you doing, Lando? I'm doing good, man. It's uh, it's great to talk with you again. I know we've had a few different encounters previously, but uh, happy to talk some some COD with you today and in preparation for Stage 3 Major, and I'm excited for all the things that are going on. That's awesome. I'm excited for you, too. Of course, if you don't know who Lando is, you've been living under a rock for like the longest time, but no worries. Call of Duty League commentator, caster, interviewer. I mean, what don't you do around the the, the production? You're also the, the king of the COD pickums, and as well <laughs> as a popular content creator on YouTube and, and, and throwing out some Twitch streams then and, then and there, you know. But for the most part, you have been killing it this season, might I add. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, man, we've got a we've got a great team. A lot of people who are there to uh, to help work on us with a multitude of different things. And I give all the credit to uh, to my good old partner, Study, uh, aka Jeremy. Great guy. Uh, literally breaks down everything for me. So, like I said, my job is obviously the play by play side of things. Just talk about what I see, and he's the one that makes that uh, that glues it all together. That makes sense of all of it. So, uh, definitely, man, we got a we got a great team, and it's been so much fun this season. And I can tell you guys are having fun behind the the scenes as well. So uh, really, I mean, you guys have something going on every single production, I feel like. So it's awesome to to see this kind of really take off this year compared to last year. But speaking of last year, uh, obviously the pandemic kind of soured things a little bit, kind of flying by the skin of uh, of your teeth in terms of scheduling. And due to the pandemic, teams were kind of on their toes for roster changes. But for the most part, what has the outlook for this year been like for you guys? Um, I mean, I think just from, you know, the entire production side of things, I think they were just so happy to kind of have some more time, you know, because everybody, you know, we were still discovering like what exactly like, you know, the severity of all of this, um, you know, just in general, like how, how are we going to be able to transfer all of this to online? Um, you know, there was a system previously in play where they were talking about how, um, you know, they were kind of preparing for something, you know, just in case like something were to happen in the future, but they kind of had to integrate this system um, like eight months or something like that before it was even supposed to be tested. Um, so I know for for everybody's perspective, I know that this year was uh, kind of a great opportunity to kind of you know hit the pause button on going to to land and you know going on location. Obviously, we all want to be there, um, but I think it, you know just overall so far, kind of the outlook just in general on this season has just been it's been great. I think you know from a scheduling perspective, based on the format, um, just the way that everything has has kind of flown by, um, it's been great. And I think you know from every single perspective, there is no doubt that this season. Um, despite it, you know, going from land to online, obviously this whole season has been online so far, um, has been excellent. And, uh, you know, like I said, everybody has really worked super hard to, um, you know, just try to make it as lifelike as possible. You know, like, you know, last season, you know, from, from our commentators perspectives and whatnot, and really just the town overall, you know, we were on webcams, we had, you know, the nice backdrops and stuff. And now it's like, we're actually in the virtual studio, uh, which I know it takes a little bit of getting used to, but really from all angles, I think everybody has done their best to try to replicate land the best way we can, um, with the preparation, with the time that we had. And, uh, I think that everybody's done a phenomenal job and I know we're all, we're all gearing up for, for when, when we will be able to get back on land, which I know I'm sure is coming up, but, um, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's been great. It's been a really good overall team effort. Now, I believe it was it was last week or, or the week before I from forgetting the exact date, but how ecstatic are you for the return of land for the stage four major? I know I don't won't go through all of stage four, but for the important bit of it, it'll be players on the same internet connection and everything. Right. 
how excited are you for that to be coming up soon? Oh man, I'm so ecstatic. Um, you know, for for the players specifically, right? Just because you know, obviously, we talk about connection. It's never going to be perfect. You know, as, as much as we like to talk about online, and you know, and in, in terms of the results from land online, there's obviously a, a nice debate there. But I think just in general, for everybody to be in the same location, just for players to kind of have that same interaction, um, and really just to kind of see, you know, obviously, I'm great. I'm ha- I'm very grateful that the players can kind of be in the most neutral. Uh, playing field possible but also at the same time i'm excited to see kind of the debut of players on land um you know we have a number of different talented players who um who i believe who will translate to land very well uh but there's just a lot of kind of engaging storylines that are going to be there um and then you know we just talked about call of duty like you know granite obviously we're making do in the best way we can online but there's just no beating land and i think that everybody's aware of that and uh, I would say just overall, incredibly excited for it. It's a step in the right direction. Uh, it's a step, one of many that we're going to take to, to kind of getting back to normal, uh, obviously, given the you know the right circumstances and, um, you know, learning the things that we need to. But I'm just I'm very excited for everybody. But specifically, I'm most ecstatic for the players, without a doubt. Awesome. And so I, I got to ask, right, this, this Internet connection being being solved at, at stage four major. Do you think it'll really change who the top teams are? Uh, I mean, is it is it really that much of a difference? Um, you know, I've I've kind of had the same opinion. What I'm trying to think of, like when this particular title came out, uh, Advanced Warfare was like 2015, 2014, 2015. So what, like six years now? Yeah. I don't think that the online to land disparity is as big of a deal as many people think that it is. Now, granted, is there a difference? Of course, there is. Uh, a majority of the difference has to do, um, you know, with just having people watch your gameplay, whether you're on the side stations or whether you're, um, you know, up uh, where your gameplay is being shown to thousands of fans. And, you know, you have all kinds of interaction. People are reacting to what you're doing. They know they can see your gameplay and you can watch their reaction. So I do think that there is um, somewhat of a difference, but I don't think that it's as big as people think. So, I mean, what do I think that the top teams will change? I don't think so. I think it may be more minor things like you could see certain teams maybe struggle uh, in certain areas. I think most of it's just kind of ironing things out. Um, And I think at its core, the skill of the players is there. It's just a matter of getting that in a different environment, one that is slightly more foreign, um, arguably very foreign, depending on, like I said, if you're on the main stage and whatnot. So um i said i think there is a disparity i think there is somewhat of a difference but i don't think it's to the point where you're going to see one team just dramatically fall through the standings uh when in reality on the other side you'll see teams starting to rise um i think there are teams who obviously with experience and whatnot you know obviously have a, a great kind of outlook for what that is like they're very familiar with it um but i think it's just a matter of time before players much like in call of duty it's all about adapting i think the same thing can be said whenever you are heading to land it's just the ability to adapt your behavior um and then you know just to kind of overall just adapt to getting used to playing in front of fans so what you're saying is my seattle surge have really no chance in this in this in this fight <laughs> i wouldn't say that you know i think uh on the on the surge camp side of things like i think there's definitely some room for improvement as we've seen um but to say you know for example that like a team like that is going to thrive now that we're on land uh, a little bit far away from that one i think look man looking at this the, the group b standings right now they're zero and five there's there's always it's only up from here come on now it's true it's, it <laughs> literally is it is up from here there's cannot get any worse than oh and five that is so oh goodness so pretty much for let's let's sidestep the the online conversation for now and sure. really what teams from 2020 have underperformed in 2021 for you personally? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say we could like kind of go on the surge side of things, but uh, <laughs> obviously they don't have a great season last year, so I hate to say it, but they've kind of kept up the same level of consistency, but more in a negative way. Yep. Um, I would say like one team who performed very well to start off the season uh, in 2020. Now, granted, they did take a dip toward the end of uh, of Modern Warfare, and, and one roster that I was kind of surprised that didn't play as well. You know, had, it's, been, it's been kind of a rocky road, no pun intended for this team. Um, <laughs> but Minnesota's kind of been slightly disappointing. Um, I would say as one team, I'll, I'll probably list like two teams right now. Go but um, you know, Minnesota's kind of been one of those rosters who to kind of start off the year. There was a lot of talk about, uh, you know, the amount of ARs that they had on the team. They were going to be too slow paced of a roster. And while I did buy into that, I didn't think it was as serious uh, as people thought. And then the way that they started off, their hard points being as horrible as they were, but Search and Destroy being great. Uh, and then they bring in Standy, who is an amazing Challengers player. Uh, I watched him for the last few seasons just dominate over in North America. Um, he gets run to the team, and then all of a sudden, you just see kind of the, the 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 new kind of frame of life. Like you just see that they just look different around the map. Everybody's reacting differently, and then now they've kind of gone on this spurt where they're just kind of looking like the same, not the same rocker team, but just kind of you want them to achieve what you know that this roster can be. And then a lot of people talk about honeymoon periods. This team obviously had one of those. Um, but I've been kind of disappointed with with this Minnesota team as of late. Um, I, there was a lot of hopes for them to start off the season. I think that there is a, a great opportunity for them to turn it around, but I don't know if it's going to result in another roster change if things just don't work out well. Um, and then just another team, just to quickly touch on them, uh, I would say the Florida Mutineers. Oh, like, wow. you know, they had a, a great uh, run through the middle season or kind of toward the middle, toward the end of last year. Uh, where they were just making you know a lot of great plays. Um, they had such a solid roster from top to bottom. They make the change with Awakening. They go on that two series spree, and obviously they have they do have the uh, you know the tragic loss of the, the late great Pharaoh, which of course is something that is notable mm-hmm. without a doubt. Um, but I just feel like from the Mutineers' perspective, just kind of the core of this team. At times they're incredibly hot, and at times they are just so slow to come out of the gates. And um, you know there was a lot of hopes with this team, just with the veteran that they had brought in and uh, and Slack to kind of be the difference maker. And then I don't know. I just feel like this this roster has so much potential, so much slaying talent, but they just haven't reached that level that you expect. Uh, with some of the players that they have on their team. And I want to say that they're sitting like eighth right now in the standings. Yeah. Um, and I want to say that there's like LAG, Paris, uh, maybe a few others who are like kind of right on their heels. Um, and I expect them to, to maybe make some noise here at this tournament potentially. But I would say the Mutineers for sure is probably the most disappointing when we talked about last season. Um, but I think Rockers up there as well. Just, um, you know, a lot of teams that I think haven't fully adapted possibly to the 44 side of things, or maybe like we talked about earlier, maybe the the online uh, kind of aspect of it could be in somewhat of effect for them. Yeah, they're right behind the Florida Mutineers, LA and, and Paris and London. They're right on their heels, a few points right. behind that's all, but like you're a walking scoreboard, man. I had that information I did not have offhand at all, <laughs> but for the most, I want to ask, like, obviously last season ended with Dallas Empire taking it all home. Um, have they... Have they kind of underperformed for you? Have these reigning champs kind of come in kind of lackluster? Um, I would say in some ways, yes, in some ways, no. Like, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. Uh, and, you know, currently, right, in, yeah. in terms of where we sit right now, I wouldn't say that they have underperformed to the point where it's incredibly notable. But I also wouldn't say that they've obviously overperformed because, you know, they're not winning everything as, as much like they did for the champ side of things. So. Uh, I would hesitate to say that they've underperformed. Um, you know, I know we'll we'll get into the the roster changes and stuff that they have made, which will probably 
dictate a lot of kind of our probably thoughts on this team, especially once the stage three major is over, we'll probably have more of a fine-tuned answer for that. Um, but I would hesitate to say that they've really dropped a lot. When we look at the overall standings, like I believe they're in the, I, I want to say that they're for, pretty firmly in that number two seed. Obviously, FaZe is leading the way by a, a decent margin, but you know, they've played well. They've, um, you know, performed well. When we talk about overall majors, they got second um, at one of them as well. Like, they haven't really dropped the ball to the point where it's like, you know, okay, cool. You want to call Dallas Empire number one coming into the year? Well, they've dropped to like number two or number three. I'd hesitate to say that they've really underperformed, but at the same time, I could get the conversation whenever you are off of a uh, of a champs win at the same time they do have to lose a player that they obviously did not want to so i think that's also a credit to them but i think this tournament very well could indicate you know where we kind of see them right now um and then obviously managing the talent side of things like you lose a player like hook um that i believe will be kind of the story of their season if they you know kind of remain with the group they have right now fellow coming into the starting lineup i think that that will kind of tell the story of whether or not this team has underperformed uh, in terms of dropping significantly uh, in terms of power ranking standings and stuff like that. I think the stage three major will probably set the stage primarily for that conversation. Um, so obviously you brought it up already, but the elephant in the room um, thoughts on this bombshell drama with, with empire benching and then later trading hook to thieves. I mean, from my perspective, it seems like, you know, hook was doing good in, in stages one and two stage three probably saw more of a, a faltering performance, but for the most part, just what what exactly do you think might have been? I mean, they, obviously they say it's the 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 you know either team chemistry or something like that. But what are your thoughts on on this drama unfolding with the Empire? Yeah, I mean it's uh, it came as a shock to me uh, without a doubt. Um, you know, for those that obviously know my history, I did spend some time with uh, with Envy specifically, did some content uh, with them. You know what last season and mm -hmm. whatnot. So I know how that organization feels about Hook. I know Hastro's feelings toward Hook. Um, and really, you don't have to be a part of the organization to know that. Right. Um, you know, just the sacrifices that they've made, um, you know, having him, they actually they picked him up uh, whenever he was playing Halo. Uh, then they obviously come into the COD years whenever he whenever he turns 18, you know, kind of headlines the roster for them coming into the World War Two title. Um, and he's just kind of been their golden boy, right? He's kind of been the player that they've relied upon. Um, and smartly so, um, you know, he's one of the best players in the entire world. He's been that way for a very long time. And so it definitely came as a shock to me. Uh, not only that they decided to trade him, but even prior to that, to go for the benching uh, type of situation. Whenever, like I said, they weren't playing horribly. Like, you know, don't get me wrong. Like they, weren't, they weren't like, you know, dominating rosters, but at the same time, like they weren't really falling um, by any means. Like, I think that in the series after they dropped him, they had beat, I, I don't even remember who it was, but they had beaten like a team in a pretty solid way. It was like a nice 3-1 victory. I don't know why I remember that, but I know that they had beat a team like 3-1. And so I was like, they're not off of a loss. They're not off of like a shocking losing spree or just a dominant, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, loss or whatever it may be. So it definitely kind of surprised me a decent amount. Um, you know, there were some nuggets of information that who could uh, kind of put out in a few of his interviews um, talking about how, you know, he just wants to get on the same page with the team. So something major must have happened, I would say, for for this team, for the organization, for the management uh, to be willing to part ways with the player who has basically been their guy for the last five or four and a half, five years. Right. Um, and I think it kind of shows that the Dallas Empire, not that they've moved on in a, you know, in a way that uh, indicates that Hook just no longer was that player. Um, but I think that they've 
just kind of moved on and said, hey, like, you know, we're maybe investing more in Krim now. Um, because there have been so many different conversations about Hook and his ability whenever, you know, he kind of made the team. Like, he he's kind of the person who gets credited with the foundation of what was later a world championship roster. He was the guy who uh, wanted to bring in Illy. He was the guy who wanted to bring in Shotzi. Um, he also helped lead the way to get Clay and Krim on the team. Um, you know, there were rumors that he took pay cuts just to make sure that this team could exist. Um, and then obviously they go and they win a world championship. So knowing all of those things, I know that this had to be a major, major internal problem, a gameplay problem, whatever you want to kind of define that is, define that is it was a major thing going on within the empire camp for them to make a move like this. And so that's what kind of shocked me the most, um, you know, just thought wise, like it was just, it totally caught me off guard. It was not a move that I thought we would see at least within the next two seasons, to be totally honest with you. Like mm -hmm. I never thought about this, but if you were to tell me that, Oh yeah, hooks off of, you know, the Dallas empire, I would think, okay, we're probably, you know, in like 2022, 2023, the team just never really worked. They all go on the separate ways. Um, so for it to happen now and for it to happen when they're not playing badly, it just kind of all points to a sign of like something must have happened. And again, I, I guess it was probably an internal issue maybe with him and Krem. Krem has a certain way that he wants to play the game now with Clay not being there, which I think is probably a major reason uh, why I do think that there is an easier time for Dallas Empire players to maybe kind of butt heads. Um, you know, they have a system and they're following the, the greatest player of all time. Whether you think that's crazy or not, you have to realize that uh, Krim is that person. He is the goat. Uh, when we talk about Call of Duty Esports, mm -hmm. so not a bad player to, to invest your future in, but at the same time, losing a player like Hook is, is never easy given his resume, given what he's done, and given what he did, not just for Envy, but also for the Dallas Empire winning that world championship last year. So the, yeah, their, their first game uh, back without Hook up against Toronto Ultra, so not an easy task uh, as a three-row yeah. sweep. But after that, Ellie Girls was a three-two. I think it was a pretty, it was a pretty easy three-two, despite what the scoreboard was saying. But for the most part, yeah, it's it's. I was shocked when I heard the news, so I'm glad to hear that somebody somebody else with your with your candor is a uh, is also agreeing with me on that. But for now, uh, we have to leave the stage three drawn behind, and ahead of us is the stage three major. So obviously, stage three provided. Surprises galore. Uh, I don't think anyone had Toronto Ultra really being defeated, undefeated before the uh, the major. Right. Did you? Um, I, I thought that they would play well, but I would lie to you if I said that in my pickums I had them going five zero. Uh, and then what? Like they're like fifteen and one, fifteen and two, yeah. something like that in map count. Uh, I, I figured they would play well, but I did not think that we they would play this well. Yeah. That's that's absolutely insane to me. So, going into stage three major, are are they the team to beat? Is it New York? New York? Uh, is it the uh, New York Subliners? Who is it that people think will, will have a target on their back going into this major? Yeah, I would say it has to be Toronto. Um, you know, I totally get you know people that could say, oh well, you know, Phase are on the rise, or if you want to give the nod to Thieves, if you want to give the nod to. Whoever you'd like, uh, obviously I know the NYSL is kind of a recent one, uh, given their you know last few match performances. But the team to beat, I feel like, has to be Toronto Ultra for sure. Uh, you know they're going on this insane series streak. Uh, you know their search and destroy and their control specifically. They haven't, they didn't lose a single one um, in the stage three regular season and then the, and the matches that they played. So obviously, given the fact that they're also off of a championship, uh, given the fact that they ended the. Uh, streak that phase was on given the fact that they beat the phase the way that they did uh, i feel like you have to kind of call this team uh the one to beat i think you have to kind of give them the nod for that um now again i think there are for sure you know some names that you could kind of list out but i think you have to give it to the team that looks so well throughout stage three they're trying to defend their championship 
and really just the story that they're on as well just kind of makes them more of a of a name that you'd probably circle a name that you probably put in bold uh mm-hmm. just kind of given the fact that they have just kind of stolen the story so far currently in the cod league you know we could talk about optics you know lack of performance we could talk about the thieves roster change we could talk about new york uh their roster change dallas empire are, are you know kind of on the downward spiral it looks like a little bit from time to time but i think for me at least the the toronto ultra kind of remains potentially uh the number one headline coming into the stage three major is a matter of you know can they keep this up can they be that same team and can they just continue to be as dominant as they are yeah to that stage two uh major win i just i just kept seeing them rise and rise and that stock was just ridiculous yeah. to the moon for them. But for the most yeah. part, there's, there's also, you know, you know, eight other teams involved in this, in this major coming up. What's a dark horse team that people, you know, should be wary of going into these majors. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one, right? Um, you know, New York was honestly going to be my pick. Um, I had them, uh, and the matchup that they had versus the LA Thieves, where it was Hook's debut, mm. uh, a lot of people had LA Thieves winning that. And I did go with New York. I just I feel very confident in this NYSL team. Um, I'm not going to call them a dark horse because, of course, I think now people are starting to to kind of respect them as like, okay, they can probably be that team. Uh, I would say one that's probably not going to get mentioned too often in, in kind of the, the area, the direction I want to go. Honestly, could be the Florida Mutineers. I know I just kind of talked about how they were one of the more disappointing teams. Um, without a doubt, uh, so far throughout, um, you know, this season, but when that Florida team is clicking, um, they can be terrifying. And that's the hard part about predicting a team like this to go far, um, is the fact that it really, it comes down to the consistency of the ARs. And I hate whenever, you know, wherever I cast over the team, but it really when anybody over, you know, kind of casts over this team, it is all about skies. It is all about awakening. How good can they be? Can they be top tier? And if they are, that oftentimes, you know, kind of decides the series. So I trust Florida Mutineers management. Uh, I got a lot of respect for, you know, for the for the team over there with Tura, Ogre, mm-hmm. too. You know, what they've done with the franchise has been excellent. Um, and again, I, I think just kind of given the way that the bracket kind of lines out, like, again, these are going to be some terrifying batches uh, for teams that are starting kind of in the lower side of the elimination bracket. Uh, you're going to be in the gauntlet for a while, and it's very hard to make runs, especially if you don't already start with a little bit of a buffer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that Florida very well could have a close series versus the Thieves when we talk about the winner side. Um, and then kind of given their performance, let's say that, you know, most people are obviously going to predict them to lose it. Um, you know, they have a, a nice kind of spot right now. And we talk about the elimination bracket side of things. And let's say they were to win that series. Uh, they, they would then face off against the subliners. Many would choose New York in that situation. Well, Florida's now in a, in a great opportunity to kind of already be in the elimination bracket and at least place uh, decently well, which overall in the standings would be major for them. So I think kind of given the fact that this is a new Thieves team, uh, they are off of the, you know their only or their first loss with Hook. They've only played one series with him. Uh, it could lead to some surprises. And uh, I think that, you know, again, if this Florida Mutineers team is clicking, if Awakening and Skies are playing the way that they can, if Havoc has been the route man and Neptune is just playing consistent like we know he can and at times can take over, I think they could be a terrifying roster. Now, I wouldn't invest in that necessarily, <laughs> you know, without a doubt and say, oh, yeah, you know, they're definitely going to make a run. But there was no doubt when that team is clicking, they can uh, they can be a dark horse for sure. So we'll see this Thursday. I mean, those those last two matches of the day, Dallas Empire versus FaZe, Thieves versus Mutineers, that's something to keep our eyes on coming yeah. up. But here's the, the the real question, right? The the golden egg, the goose that we all got to keep our eye on. Who is winning this major? Oh, man. Um, I'll be totally honest with you. I 
I have looked at the bracket a little bit. Um, I'm going to be probably putting together my bracket within the next day or so. Um, and I've looked at the seedings a decent amount. Um, I'm going to, this is probably what I'm going to predict again, like my, you know, whenever I look at the maps, the matchups and stuff that could start to change. Um, but like I said, even before New York did have their series victory versus Chicago, even before that they did get the victory, uh, versus the thieves, I thought that this team was going to come out and really surprise us. Um, they are a team that looks amazing in hard point. I think they went like seven and zero or something like that in stage three, oh, yeah. uh, the regular season. So their hard point is looking great. They're searching to destroy. Well, they have gone to a lot of round 11s. Uh, players are just clutching up really, really well. Um, Hydra has really, really improved. Um, you know, I had the the cast over New York versus Chicago, uh, and one really big advancement that I saw was Hydra just felt more comfortable. You could just tell, like in terms of um, you know search and store and control, which are two modes that he had kind of struggled in so far. He was putting up numbers. He was playing kind of things a little bit slower, um, and I feel like just kind of given the composition of this team. Like, this is just a roster that I think definitely has the ability to win a championship. And so I am going to give them the nod here. Um, I think that we very well, you know, could see a Toronto. We very well could see an Atlanta uh, kind of pick things back up. Ulster can kind of continue with their with their run. But I think if we are talking about a team that could handle one of those teams, primarily the Ultra, uh, it would be this New York team. I think that they are kind of guaranteed a hard point victory versus the Ultra, given the map, given the, the placement from time to time. I think they can be crafty in Search and Destroy. Uh, they got a great coaching staff with Reverend and JP there. Um, and then, uh, like I said, I, I just trust Clay. I, I, I trust <laughs> Clayster teams. Uh, he was one of the primary reasons that earlier kind of midway, but that's really like three fourths of the season. I just kind of went out there and I said, Dallas Empire, they're going to be my picks to, to win the world championship. And a big reason for that was because of clay. It's because of his craftiness, his ability to work well with players, his ability to teach players. Um, and I just feel like this team is in a good groove right now. Uh, from every single player's perspective, everybody knows their role. Um, and with them looking as good as they are right now in the hard points, um, and then kind of being fully aware of what their issues are, what their mistakes are. And then also having uh, a young superstar who well, I'll say a, a young star who very well could turn into a superstar in Hydra, uh, the French phenom. I, I think the sky's the limit for them. I really do. I think everybody's in a great role. Everybody knows what they need to do. And from a, from a working aspect, I believe that this is probably one of the hardest working teams in the CDL. And uh, like I said, it would not shock me if we were to see New York come out and either make the grand finals or who knows, maybe defeat an ultra, defeat a phase, whatever you want to kind of label the final as. Um, I, I expect them to make it far, and I would not be surprised if we uh, if we leave the stage three major saying New York, they did it. They had a quick turnaround. They're bringing Hydra in stage three. They play as well as they have in just a short period of time. Uh, I got New York winning this. All right. Well, it's, it's hard to vote against uh, Clay and, and Hydra, but... I, I got to say, I think Minnesota Rocker has a decent chance at this. I base that in no facts. I base that purely on the fact that okay. Minnesota has been, uh, you know, my 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 side pick this all, all this season. It's always been Empire, Rocker, and then maybe I, I throw in Thieves or New York sometimes. But for the most part, Rocker okay. has been my dark horse for uh, for a while. I think they can they can come out with it. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm picking Minnesota. You're picking uh, New York. I'll come back next week and I'll and I'll brag to your face. So you're probably bragging mine on Twitter. But <laughs> anyways. No. I mean, hey, man, listen, if you get that prediction right, you deserve all the credit that you can get. Not not to say that Minnesota is a, a a bad team, but if they were to come out and win the major, I think that would be 
without a doubt, one of the biggest wins of the entire CDL in, in history. So I, I give you a lot of props for that. That's I, hope, what I hope that they do play well. I like those guys over there. That's what I'm saying, man. People got to know. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I know we're running short on time here. Lando, I want to wish you good luck on the broadcast. Good luck on Thank your you. pickums. Hopefully get those oh, yeah. at the very least 90% right, right? No big deal if you don't. But uh, nobody's going to you know, rake you over the coals on Twitter for this one. <laughs> But uh, I appreciate that. Follow Lando on Twitter at Lando, of course. He, uh, YouTube, Twitch, all this other stuff. You can catch him on the broadcast this week as the major gets ready to roll on the Call of Duty League's YouTube channel. Ironically, their URL on YouTube still says official MLG COD. So that's a little throwback for you. We'll link you it go. all in the podcast description. So, Lando, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it so much. Thanks so much for having me, man. Appreciate it. He's Lando, commentator, caster for the Call of Duty League. And I'm Kevin Curry, and this is the Esports Network Podcast.